everyone, and welcome back to Inside College Admissions. My name is Megan Kaufman, and I'm the Senior Product Marketing Manager at SCORE. Today, we're joined by Dustin Lin, Director of College Counseling at Battleground Academy in Franklin, Tennessee. We're going to have a conversation about alternate perspectives on the common college admissions practice of buying student names and contact information. But before we dive in, I'd like to give you some background on Dustin. Dustin started his career as an admissions counselor at Vanderbilt University before transitioning to college counseling at the high school level. Dustin brings over six years of experience in helping students in the Southeast find and apply to the right college. Welcome, Dustin. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. We're so happy to have you here today. Our first question of today, do you think students understand what they're signing up for when providing their contact info to college board, college fairs, universities, et cetera? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. And the answer, I think, is yes and no, because students, I think, enter into any relationship with a college or testing agency with a lot of trust there, right? They know that these are well-known and established organizations, and the information that they're receiving is within the context of that relationship, right? They know that they're educational institutions, that they're there to help and serve students. So I think that when a student provides their information, they are looking to get information and they trust that that's what they're, they're getting. So when a student signs up, I think that it's, it's innocent enough. They know that they want to learn more about college, more about academic programs, more about what it's like to be a student there, what's financial aid. So I think that from that perspective, they absolutely know that they're entering this communication stream so that they can learn about whatever the college is. And the same thing, whether they sign up for information from a college itself or they provide their contact information at a college fair or another entity, I think that they understand it on that basic level. We as professionals, however, know the, the marketing and the admissions piece that goes behind all of this. And sometimes even to kind of counter what I just said, I had a student recently say, hey, I didn't know I was going to get all these emails from colleges by providing my email address on X test <laughs> that they recently took. So I think that they expect some marketing, but I think the influx that they receive is also kind of overwhelming and that they don't know to what extent that colleges will use their contact information, regardless of whether the college might be perceived by the student as a good fit or not to reach out to them. So the basic answer would be, yes, I think they enter into it knowing that they're going to get information, but I don't think that they know all the ways that colleges will use that information from that marketing perspective and what purposes colleges have in buying that information from them in the first place to meet their enrollment goals. That, that makes a lot of sense there. And on that note, why should colleges reconsider doing name buys? Yeah, that's an even better question. So I know that we're going to talk about this in a little while. So I don't want to condemn colleges and say that name buys are, are this terrible practice. But I think that entirely depends on the philosophy that the institution employs. And I know that a lot of institutions have a lot of particular guidelines around their outreach to students 
through the purchasing of their names and contact information. For instance, most universities are going to have parameters for the types of students whose contact information that they purchase and whom they will eventually contact. Those parameters can have geographic bounds, they can have selectivity bounds. I think those are the ones that are most important. So for instance, a university will be able to indicate, we want to purchase names of students who have a certain testing profile that ultimately either aligns with ours or, or doesn't. So that they can make sure that those students will be selective in their application pool. A lot of colleges and universities use name buys so that they can fulfill their mission of reaching students who might be first generation or from underrepresented backgrounds as well. So there's a lot of good stuff that goes into it. The part that they might want to reconsider though is really thinking about the ethos and the ethics of that because I can think of multiple instances just recently I was talking with a colleague we were discussing where an institution doesn't really have many search parameters they will buy student names and they are really doing so irrespective of what their testing profile might be and the institution in question is one that everyone listening to this is going to know. So it just raises the question of what's your purpose for purchasing the name of the student when you know, based on your data sets and projections that the student ultimately will likely not be admissible or competitive in your pool. I think that's really what leads to a lot of mistrust from students and families. And what I would urge institutions to reconsider in their name buying, not to just completely eradicate the practice, but to at least be intentional about purchasing of names because you're leading students on at that, that point. They become an applicant that has value for your institution in, on down the line as far as your selectivity level and other types of things. But I don't think it's a good practice to be purchasing names of students who you don't think are going to be a, a viable candidate in your, in your pool. So there are definitely pluses and minuses to this. And again, I wouldn't be an advocate for eradicating the practice of purchasing names because I think there's some real good that can be done. And again, students get to receive information from colleges as well that they might not have ever thought about. But as far as colleges not being judicious about the types of students whose names they're purchasing and sometimes erratically just emailing students because they were able to get their name from a different search. That's what really should be reconsidered in my mind. To play devil's advocate here, this is something that has been standard practice for colleges for a long time. Where's the harm? It's a great follow-up question because I think that it comes through some of the things that we just talked about. So it's kind of interesting. Students will sometimes enter into knowing that their information is being provided for informational purposes, but at the same time, we can all, Megan, I'm sure you've heard this too, we can all think of times when a student has said, oh, I'm receiving information from X university, and they get really pumped about it. And we can also probably think of many parents who are having dinner with their friends or talking in that parent pickup line saying like, oh, well, my students receiving information from this university, you know, so I think the harm can come from the fact that a student misconstrues oftentimes what the intent of that communication is instead of being something that is, is helpful for them and informational, that it's an indication of interest in them. And I think it comes down to the communication itself as well. Um, I'll give you a really great example of maybe not something that was a name by, but how some universities use um, student contact information. I actually went on a tour of a college, again, a college that we would all recognize a few years ago 
from that communication, they didn't remove me from their student database. So they knew nothing about me. They knew my name, they knew a, an email address. They knew nothing about kind of this fake student, Dustin Lynn, who was just a college counselor visiting the campus. And even after I told them to remove me from that system. But later on, I received an email from the dean of that school that said, hey, based on what we know about you, we want to know more. And we think you'd be a good candidate for our school. And you know nothing about me or any other student. So I think it comes in the messaging there too. So I think that it's been going on for long enough that colleges are just on autopilot. The, the thing though that I think is redeeming about it and why you're right to play devil's advocate here are some of the practices that I talked about earlier. So many colleges genuinely use the service to be able to identify great students who would thrive at the university, who would have a chance of admission through the applicant pool, who would otherwise might not be thinking about that college in the first place, right? Like that's the point of student search from both the student's perspective and the college's perspective. We also just have to accept the fact that colleges have to make their class. They have to make sure that they're receiving applicants from qualified students. They have to have a certain number of students on their college campus. They have to make sure that, that they're making the numbers because if they don't, they can't offer all of the wonderful educational opportunities, financial aid, social supports that students expect as well. So I think that in that regard, we do need to give universities some leeway, but I do think we need to be critical about how they are using student information and are they doing so in an authentic and ethical manner. It's a really powerful reminder for our college audience there to really think about the student and parent perspective. What is their interpretation of the messages they're receiving? And what they mean to them. Um, in your experience working with high school students, what's the best way to reach and engage with them? Yeah, I think that students are, are a bit more savvy than we might give them credit for. It's interesting, I'm talking about, hey, they might not know what they're signing up for, but they know when folks are being authentic with them and when it is marketing hoopla, right? So even in the, the case of the example I gave where they reached out and said, hey, we're interested in you. Students aren't dumb. They know that, hey, what, what do you know about me and what do you not? So I think that it's really important that when colleges reach out to students, and I think that the traditional modes of contact are perfectly fine. Email, social media is something that we've used a lot in our college center. We know that other schools and higher education institutions are using social media as well. I think that regardless of the medium though, it's about how you reach out to students. Are you being authentic? Are you meeting them where they are? Are you giving them resources and tools and perspectives on your college campus that actually speak to where they are in their development and what they want to know? Or is your messaging more driven toward trying to convert them to an applicant? So I think that the important thing in, in when to reach out to students is just to be authentic understand that they are quirky, fun, dynamic, diverse young people and speak to those differences and kind of that multiplicity of experience that they might have in an authentic way that is where they are instead of just communicating with them from the perspective of, hey, apply to our institution because we want your application. I think that authenticity piece is so crucial for really engaging and converting students all the way through the admissions process. From a data privacy perspective, what other things should students and their families be mindful of during the college search process? 
Absolutely, because it doesn't just rest with colleges, right? There's so many other entities. The first thing that comes to mind is actually in the financial aid process. So when students apply to college, many of them will also be seeking need-based and financial-based assistance as well as merit-based assistance, right? And the FAFSA or the free application for federal student aid is something that most, if not all colleges are gonna require if you're seeking that. And a lot of folks go where we all go to get information about that. Google, you might type in FAFSA or or um, you might be contacted even by organizations that offer to fill out the FAFSA for you. And I think the big thing, if you are a parent or student or family member who's listening, is the FAFSA is free. You do not have to pay a fee for it. You do not have to pay an agency to, to complete it for you. And I think that that intersects with the data privacy piece because these folks are already trying to turn a, a profit on something that's free for you to do in the first place. So I would just be cautious about releasing personal data or your financial data to these folks who are filling out something that there are tons of resources for you to be able to do on your own with it or the, with the assistance of a counselor if you are in an environment where you have a supportive college counseling or social emotional counselor at your school or someone who can support you with that. So definitely in the financial aid world, um, there are lots of great ways to connect and share your information, even with the university itself, always reach out to their financial aid office. But if you ever see an email from someone offering to fill out the FAFSA for you or for a fee, or if you see that on your online research, that is definitely abort, get out of there. No, no bueno. Um, and then summer programs as well. We talk a lot about colleges reaching out to students, but a lot of programs that are oftentimes defined, my colleagues will often call them money grabs, right? Because they can cost upwards of five, six, seven thousand dollars to attend a summer program. And these programs are purchasing names in the same avenue that colleges do from testing agencies and other types of, of places. So what happens then is a student will think, oh, I'm being invited to this really prestigious summer program. And the fact of the matter is, is that you don't have to pay to go to that program, whereas you can recreate another experience somewhere else. And I think the important thing to take away there too is just be a consumer, regardless of whether it's a college, a program, someone from financial aid reaching out to you, is that once you provide that email address to college board or to um, a college, you really should make sure that you're following their privacy policy. It's one of the reasons that I love being a partner with SCORE is that they take such pride and making sure that they safeguard student data and they don't share it inappropriately with outside third parties. And when you're providing it by a testing agency, you don't know oftentimes where that goes. So just keep a keen eye on what information and contact you're receiving from those third parties. That's really insightful information for our families to consider, as well as all you shared today for our college listeners to keep in mind. Well, that concludes our conversation with Dustin. Thank you so much for joining us, Dustin, and we appreciate all of our listeners as well. We look forward to chatting with you again soon.